too. Smart. Your approval means everything to me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to Deep Space Pride, a gay Star Trek podcast. My name is Mike Thurlow. I am one of your hosts, and with me is my co-host, Johnson Lee. Johnson, how are you doing? That was a very energetic intro compared to how you were like three minutes ago. (laughs) Uh, This is my show face. I'm putting (laughs) on my show face. Um, I'm doing okay. I am mustering the energy to do this as well. It's been a long day, but... I'm here and I'm ready. My body is ready. And so is mine. So we are super excited. It's been a couple of weeks and we have been chomping at the bit to talk about the Discovery season finale. And so we are going to jump right into it and uh, spill some track on... I am excited. I feel we are going to have deferring opinions. I'm just going to say that now before you... All right. We have not talked about this, by the way. For our listeners, we have held off on talking about the finale. Like, there's been a few things here and there, as you guys have heard from previous episodes, but then we'll stop ourselves. But anyway, yes, why don't we get into spilling the track? Disconnection. That's how this future began. One moment in time, it radiated outward until no one even remembered that connection was possible anymore. But it is. The need to connect is at our core as sentient beings. That hope is you part two i have like how many how many of these episodes types of episodes do we need anyway. well so you know i didn't know the you, well, right off the bat you know the hope the that hope is you part one opened the season and then when that wasn't the next episode part two wasn't the next episode yes, i kind yeah. of figured it was going to bookend the season so here we go here's a brief description uh ever uh, brief from CBS All Access uh, season finale. Thank you, CBS I, All Access. Sorry about that. I need to uh, check my notifications. Continue. Uh, okay. Uh, season finale. As the Emerald Chain tightens its grip and the mystery of the burn is finally solved, Burnham and the crew have one last chance to save themselves and the Federation. Dun dun dun. One final chance. Goodness. You know. Things uh, are so, high. What uh, some I'm re- I'm excited because you you preface this we have some differing opinions so mm-hmm. let's uh, start off with what are your some of your thoughts on the season finale. So I really did not like this episode. I was not a fan. You know I actually so I watched it twice. <clears throat> the first time I have to say I hated the episode. 
hated. Wow. Yes. The second time I hated it less. Like I actually thought, okay, it's not that terrible, but it's fine. <laughs> wow. So I really did not like this episode at all. Okay. Um, and there are multiple reasons. Um, you know, and, and this is a small reason, but this for me was, I almost, so the first time I watched this episode, I almost had a slight existential crisis as a Star Trek fan. It sounds very dramatic. Um, but, you know, one of the main reasons why I really love Star Trek is how, um, how it does a great job. And it's not the most um, scientifically accurate sci-fi series. I would say The Expanse, which we've talked about at length recently, um, is probably one of the most scientifically accurate Star Trek, I mean, science fiction series in respect to what we understand about physics, things like that, right? Um, one of the things I've really loved about Star Trek, particularly since the TNG era, I feel the TOS era was a little bit, a little more loosey-goosey, um, was that there was a great respect for science and technology. And I think Michael Okuda did a great job. Like he was the technical consultant on Star Trek and he was basically the one to make sure that the universe had a set of rules that respected real world understanding of physics. Um, and, you know, he co-wrote the Star Trek technical, technical manual. Um, and there were very hard and fast rules for how the world operated. And there are things like obviously that are imaginary warp drive, things like that, but are, but they're explanations for how it works. How can you travel faster than speed of light while well, you travel in a warp bubble? So you're not traveling in normal space, you know, you get around, you get around like, you know, the limits of, you know, light speed based, you know, this is how we get around it. The problems of inertia. How do you stop a starship if it's going, if it's going from almost light speed to zero? from everyone dying while you have inertial dampeners, right? There's all these rules, all these elements that make up this universe and the rules around the universe. Um, and honestly, that's one of the things that I've loved most about Star Trek, um, that connection between what we understand about the world and this other science fiction world that we're not there yet, but can be one day. And I think that actually has inspired many people to pursue STEM you know, to really want to see what they can, how they can bend the rules um, of the known properties of the universe um, in order to advance hum humanity. Discovery is not that kind of Star Trek. Discovery is not, is plays very loose with science and technology and physics, uh, perception of space, <laughs> like, you know, the whole sequence um, in the turbo lift shaft. Should we even call it a turbo shaft? Should we call it Not a turbo a lift city? Like, what the fuck? You know, that completely took me out of the episode. And this totally was a moment. And we talked about this again earlier in the season when the CGI and the action and the amount that needs to go into the spectacular is more important than the character moments. And this scene completely, for me, it wasn't even that good an action scene. You know, like 
it was like all this spectacle. And I was like, this is like, whatever, you know, they're just punching each other, throwing people over and turbo shaft slash city, you know, um, it was that it wasn't even good action. It was, very, it was forgettable. Um, but that's just one, that's just one example, you know, like there, there are just so many examples, like the whole burn thing, like it was dubious, dubious science, like, you know, um, and we talked about this last week where, you know, I had, a, there was a narrative dissatisfaction, dis, dis, dissatisfaction rather with the whole burn. And um, I, I wish there was more to it. Um, but the whole explanation, I was just like, oh my God, like, you know, they just need to make up something. And I'm gonna have questions like, why didn't affect the dilithium on the planet? Why is the dilithium on the planet fine? You know, why can they mine it? You know? Um, you know, let's just skip all these details and it's fine, you know, no problem. Um, like, there's just so much science fiction out there now where, you know, I think, unfortunately for me, Discovery has, um, I think the bad side about Discovery is sometimes this, you know, it, they oftentimes just really focus too much on the spectacle. Um, and a good contrast to this will be the Mandalorian, right? The Mandalorian does a really great job of marrying practical effects with CGI. They it marries it to really well. And honestly, the Mandalorian finale, the most thrilling action that we saw was through like a black and white four by three inch screen, you know, when Luke Skywalker is making his way through the corridor. And you don't need all the spectacle, you don't need the flashiness, right? Um, but they just did a great job kind of just the presentation um, and the buildup was just so well done that they didn't need like all these special effects, you know? Um, and uh, going back to my original point, yeah, like the, the spectacle kind of overrides any sort of need for technical continuity, for science, for, you know, like I feel that, you know, it, there's, I feel there's even a lack of like real, they don't even bother with like trying to come up with like legitimate techno battle anymore. Like at least in TNG, DS9, Voyager era, like they were trying to like rationalize it with techno babble that if you kind of tried to discern it, it was a little ridiculous, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, I can try to understand, I can understand what trying to go for and how they're trying to explain this in a way that makes sense for our understanding of how the world and universe works. Discovery does not bother with that. They do not care. Um, and for me, that's really unfortunate. You know, so I, I had this like legitimate existential crisis because I was just like, I just, you know, I just, uh, these scenes took me out of episode so much. And I was like, but this is Discovery. You know, Discovery is about, there are character moments that we talk about, sure, but they favor the spectacle over what, you know, Rick Berman, Michael Kuda, whatever era of Star Trek used to be um, centered around in some ways, at least the basis of the universe and how the universe is built. So yeah, I did not like, you know, I did not like that aspect. It it was just like, and we've seen the turbola shaft in the in past few episodes and we even joked about it, but this is another level. This was like, they entered like Blade Runner. Like I was like, I don't know what the fuck is happening right now. It was so ridiculous. I hated it so much. Like that particular aspect of it. 
Um, the other thing that I did not like about this episode is, again, you know, Michael Burnham, our lord and savior, you know. Um, like, we talked about this, like, Tilly really came into her own as, you know, as first officer and as acting captain. And the moment that Michael enters the bridge, you know, Tilly just is just like, you know, you need to lead us. I'm like, why? You know, why does Michael need to be the one to save the day. It wasn't even necessary. She she didn't even do anything. She like, let's like, let's just eject the warp core. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever, sure, whatever. Um, and then of course she becomes captain. And I'm just like, Ugh, what the fuck, whatever. You know, like I, I don't need Michael Burnham to be the savior of the Federation of all organic life in the universe and captain of Discovery. Like this is so ridiculous. And Again, one of the things that I really just love about classic Star Trek is how everyone, like almost every character gets their moment in the sun and they get to save the day. They almost each person gets to save the day at some point. Um, and in Discovery, it needs to be Michael. Michael at the end of the day needs to be the one to save the day. Um, and I just am not a fan of that. Um, and uh yeah, there, you know, I have many strong feelings about this, obviously, and I've complained about it at length um, throughout, honestly, this, you know, entire season, but honestly, it's an issue for me. It's, I mean, the first season, was, you know, was great. We were introduced to the universe, to the world, and I was like, all right, all right, Michael Bonham, yes, yes, yes. And then second season, I was like, all right, all right, I guess she also needs to be a regular angel, that's fine, that's fine. And then this season, I was like, oh my God, like, you know, you need to continue this line of like, you know, the, it needs to be the same theme. I get it. She needs to save, save the Federation. She needs to save the universe, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. So, you know, for me, that's become tiring. It's become um, expected. And I don't need Michael Burnham to save the day anymore. You know, it doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be her. And now Saru is like basically retired to Kaminar. Hopefully we, he comes back. I'm sure he will, and he's filming. But, you know, hope, you know, hopefully he like, you know, he comes back to Discovery, whatever. I'm glad the secondary cast got something to do. Like, you know, they like, but then that was a consequential, I don't know. Um, there were other problems like Osira. I don't know why Osira like slowly decompressed those decks. There was no, you know, she could have just flushed them out. I don't understand. There were, there, were, there were other things like, you know, Osara could have just killed them very easily. There was no reason for Osara to slowly leak the oxygen out of, you know, everything deck five and under. There was no need. It's like one of those like villain things where I'm going to kill everyone slowly and give them a chance to save the day, you know, dumb, whatever. Um, the sphere data did nothing like, you know, inconsequential, like contributed nothing. Say it was again, whatever. I don't care. Um, the final battle between Osara and Michael. Like, Osara leaves a phaser gun, whatever it is, with Michael so Michael can shoot her weight out of the, the program of matter. Why? Why? Why do you leave the gun with your opponent? Like, you, you think she's dead? All right, let's leave her a, a gun so she can shoot herself out of there or sh and shoot you. Brilliant. You know, there's so many dumb things about this episode that I really did not like. And... There were things I picked up in the second viewing that I was just like, <laughs> just dumb decisions, like anticlimactic, everything's tied up in a nice bow at the end. Um, you know, Michael, you got to piece the Federation back together. <laughs> you know, you're the only one that can do it. 
all right, whatever, I don't care. You know, I just don't care. Um, so those were some of my initial thoughts. It takes time, effort, and understanding. Sometimes it feels impossible. But if we work at it, miracles can happen. What did you think about this finale? Yeah, when you said we were going to have differing opinions, I did not expect to have really different. This <laughs> I told you. This chasm of differing opinions. Although, you know, there are certain things I agree with you on. Uh, maybe not to the extent that you don't like it but yeah i don't know i don't know why this like episode first viewing it really triggered me somehow i was like i was like i was like angry i was angry watching it um angry yeah for for me this was a you know one of my favorite episodes actually and uh you know and i've actually and i told you before we started recording i've watched like the last 10 minutes of this probably eight or nine times Mm -hmm. like i just enjoy that those final scenes wrapping up the season uh which do put a nice bookend on what we saw at the beginning of this season but uh i really enjoyed this episode i thought it had a lot of great action a lot of you you know you do point out some things and i I, you know you have kind of shown a big light on the fact that there is sort of a an abject uh disregard for science in discovery to some extent And, and you know, to be fair, that may, may have even started somewhat when when they came up with the initial idea that this ship had a spore drive. Oh, I mean, yes. The spore drive. Don't get so, me started on the spore drive. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I, I felt like I was spore- like, OK, fine. Like, you know, like that. I kind of I think like the spore drive. I was so enamored by there was a new Star Trek. I was like, all right, I'll take it. Whatever. Like, it's a little ridiculous. It, you know, it's. It makes no I mean, sense. I think I think that the technical or the techno babble that explains the spore drive is actually no not much different than any other techno babble that we've had in Star Trek. So but the thing is about the thing about warp drive is that there are limitations to it. You know, the spore drive literally are no limitations to where you can pop up anywhere. Like, and that presents physical issues. Like in the way that physics works. Like you can't, like if you literally like pop up anywhere else in the universe, you can literally be in two places at one time. Like there are like all these problems with that. Like, I don't know, like, and it well, doesn't anyway. make sense. It makes no sense. Like, okay. Well, I mean, you know, we're not here. Let's not debate the- Let's not debate. Let's the score, it's all, it's score drive, you know, whatever. but I do, I do agree. And I've had a problem with, and and maybe not to the extent you do, but I did have a problem with the scenes that with the turbo lift that, you know, definitely bothered me. Uh, it did take me out of it a little bit because it was just too much. Uh, but I don't know. I, you know, I really enjoyed the, the, the way that, you know, there were a lot of great character scenes in this episode Sure. A lot of a lot of, you know, if you if you set aside the some of the implausibility of what happened uh, to some extent. And, you know, I, I did accept the, the reasoning of the 
uh, of the burn, the cause of the burn and how it's one person's fault and the way that he was born and being surrounded by subspace and, and dilithium caused this great burn. I, I, I get it. I think uh, I get whether it's just like so dubious, but I'm like, okay. I mean, like the thing is like the payoff was just not, Oh, well, I mean, yeah, and I've heard die. I've heard differing opinions on this. You know, yes, the payoff isn't isn't great for something that they built up so so much during this season. Like, what is the burn? But also, you know, to be honest, you know, the the burn coming into a you know, I I'm thinking psychologically for these characters, right? So psychologically for these characters, they're coming to the 32nd century. They're expecting things to be much better. Instead, they find them much, much worse. The Federation is on the brink of collapse. There is this thing that killed millions of people and destroyed thousands of starships. Mm-hmm. So, but these, the, but we jump to a point where it's been 125 years or so since the burn. And this generation of people are simply just trying to get by, like mm-hmm. them trying to figure out what the burn, what happened to the burn 125 years later isn't going to happen. Just like we're not going to go back and try to figure out what happened on January 6, 2021, 125 years from now. But we're somehow not Michael do it. Barnum pieces it all together. Well, I mean, so having an outside perspective and having an expectation of you're coming into a world where you're a thousand years in the future and you expect things to be better and they're not. And the ideals that you've lived for mm-hmm. and died for to be completely disappeared isn't exactly the right word, but diminished so greatly Mm -hmm. that it's a a shell of itself, you know, trying to figure out these things. It it makes sense. I mean, this is a science vessel. Um, Interestingly enough, after we've had all this talk about their pseudoscience and things like that, but this wasn't, you know, discovery was in, was a science vessel from the beginning. So um, it's accrued by scientists. Michael has been a scientist her whole life. Uh, you know, so I, I think from a psychological standpoint, it makes sense that this crew wants to make a difference. They want to change. They want to improve because this is not the future that they expected. And they gave up everything and uh, to be there. You know, they didn't just give mm-hmm. up. You know, I, I really took umbrage with Stamets saying, that they did it to, to be with her, uh, you know, that they came to the future for her. They came to the future, yes, so she wouldn't be alone, but also they came to the future because the discovery needed to go to the future in order to be safe and they needed a crew and, you know, she was going to go alone and they decided to go with her. But, you know, in, in reality, you all saved the past. You saved, you know, the fate of the galaxy. And so I really like, didn't like that piece of, you know, what Stamets, uh, obviously Stamets was extremely upset. And so he was very upset. I mean, like there was, I mean, there's truth to it. I mean, they didn't have to come. I mean, Hugh. Right. Everyone had a choice and, and, you know, enterprise, you know, he didn't have to come. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, so I just think that it's uh, really important to, to put into perspective some of the psychological things that this crew is expecting to come into and how it wasn't there and 
they're, they want to find out why, because they're a bunch of scientists and are curious and want to solve an a issue. And it also becomes imperative for them to, you know, contribute and help figure this out. They have a vessel that can get around what's happened. So there's that. Uh, so there's a lot of little pieces, I think, that are, are important to this. And psychologically, I can understand mm-hmm. more about it. But um so, yes, yeah, so, I mean, I really enjoy, you know, I enjoyed the episode. I mean, you know, I didn't like the turbo lift. We can we can get into that. But, you know, there were some really great. I don't know. Uh, man, and like, you, oh, you, you know, like I, I like, well, I mean, last, right, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold I like on. the last like, episode because the whole Osara thing. And I feel in this episode, she became kind of one dimensional again. You know, I thought that was disappointing, too. Well, I mean, she, you know, she is a baddie, you know, she kills people. She, she doesn't, she wants it her way. Her ego got in the way of things. Yeah. She became a three-dimensional character, but in the end, it's her ego that undoes her. Like, because she wouldn't, you know, meet that one criteria of turning it over and sacrificing herself for the future of the chain. That was her, her decision. So yeah, she became a one-dimensional character because she went back to killing people and doing everything that she she said that she wasn't going to do if the Federation signed this treaty. So I think that, you know, as far as baddies go, yeah. I mean- Sorry, she, you were gonna, I interrupted you. You were gonna say something else. Well, I mean, I you know, it's hard because, you know, we're kind of stuck right now in this loop of talking about all the things that, aren't right with this finale but i really did love it yeah, like yeah, i yeah, really sure. did you know i did love the moments you know where the you know the crew yeah i mean there are some things that didn't carry over you know the sphere data you know it did help them advance somewhat on the ship and obviously you know the oos uh being saved which i think was great by one of the dot 23s is uh you know is a testament to the sphere data a little bit uh you know, that they really came together as a crew. Mm. Uh, they made the decision not to give up. They, you know, so I thought, you know, I thought it was a really ingenious thing. Michael broadcasting that little tip to Tilly, Tilly putting it together, Tilly mm. saying, I've got to do this. The rest of you don't unless you want to. And then they get to work and they do it. And then they're all dying in the corridor. And oh, who, you know, earlier in the episode said I can hold my breath for 10 ma- minutes makes sense and, and it's great for OO to be able to to take that that leap so that's great she she uh she's the hero that brings the discovery out of warp um and doing that and you know I you know I do I do think that there is somewhat of a savior complex which has been actually joked about somewhat in the episode between in, not in the episode in this season by book being like you, you're a bunch of overachievers your family mm-hmm. uh she is absolutely but you got to remember too that she's number one on the call sheet the show is built around her so it's not you but, know it's, it's but that's it, also the case for past like star trek shows like you know it is it is and it isn't the past shows were built around a captain and a crew this was built around a character but that she doesn't joined need a crew. To be the crew the the savior of the universe like every season like you know this is my issue with it she can it's okay if she's a lead like you know she's the lead that's fine but 
the entire fate of the universe slash the Federation doesn't need to ride on her shoulders like every time. She's an overachiever. That's the way it works for overachievers. It's, it's I mean, it's not just her overachieving. It's also like I feel there's this whole like idea of fate, you know, that she's fated to become great. Um, that even like you know, I think it's definitely been hinted throughout the throughout the series that she is she she has like there's this idea of like destiny um and greatness like even like most recently like with, i would call with, it living up to potential i wouldn't say that it's about destiny i would say it's about living up to your fullest potential and but it's somehow like all these circumstances revolve around her it's not just like her kind of doing her best you know what i mean it's like things literally revolve around her it's the hero's journey. I mean, it's clearly, I mean, this is a trope, this is a trope that's built into every story in all of, all of creation. I mean, it is, you know, the hero who falls and gets back up and, you know, the journey that that person goes on. And this is, uh, you know, honestly, this is a great kind of end to one journey for her because she never did you know only for a brief moment did she ever feel worthy of being the captain otherwise than that you know until until this very end and if you notice and i picked up on this she never sat in the captain's chair ever mm -hmm. you know but she is a commander and it makes sense for tilly to say you lead us i mean she they she led them into this future first of all uh, on a jet pack with a time crystal. So it makes sense that they're still going to follow her. And Tilly is one, first of all, she's just, you know, just almost died. Second, she is an ensign. And we have a commander on the bridge who's got a few ideas, who defers to her because she's acting captain. And she says, no, you know what? We need, you know, I want you to lead. And that's totally fine. You know what the piece that pisses me off about all of this that I'm actually more upset about is that Tilly should have been the first officer for Michael and she was in the pre in in the production maybe not she was wearing red her Tilly was wearing red if you look, see behind the scenes pictures she was wearing red and they digitally made it into blue because Wait. they didn't want to be pigeonholed into when where in post production so in post it it in certain shots, uh, behind the scenes shots, you see Tilly's color on her new uniform is red, not oh, blue. In in the last scene? Yes. Oh, interesting. So I they- hate those uniforms, by the way. You, you had said that you don't like the uniforms. And then when I saw on the Discovery crew, I was like, oh God, I, on everyone else, I was actually fine with it. And then once they put it on Discovery crew, I did feel that it was very bland looking. I mean, I like it. It's a, you know, it's a little more upscale. It's kind of like the uniforms in Star Trek Two when they kind of stepped it up and made it a little bit more formal looking. Uh, so that's the way I look at it. Is it's a kind of a step up. I'm, you know, the, you originally said that you didn't like them though. Originally, I didn't, but I liked, I liked the way that they looked. You know, I don't know how practical it will be in action scenes for this. You know, that kind of uniform, but I, I do think they all looked great in them. And uh, yeah, I, I actually, you know, I changed my mind when I saw it on the Discovery crew. I okay. thought they looked okay. good in it. I, my, my only take on it is it, how practical is it to kind of move around? It looks a little like... It looks a little stiff. It's, it's, yeah. it's like they're formals, you know, like military 
officers have their daily uniforms and then they have their formal uniforms. And this looks like their formal uniform, kind of like if they were expecting ambassadors or whatever. So that's my only issue with it. But kind of like 3D printed into them. Like it's like, it's very- Oh yeah. 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 It's, I mean, it's the the process. If you've watched any of the behind the scenes Mm -hmm. things with Gersha Phillips, uh, the work she does on this is incredible, but but going back to Tilly, you know, so they she had a red uniform on, and uh, they digitally changed it in post production, uh, back to blue. Oh, uh, so uh, and and I was kind of disappointed there weren't a whole lot of shots of Tilly in that final scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I would say that she got the least amount of screen time in that final scene over everyone else on the bridge. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was really disappointed with all of that, uh, with that piece of it. You know, it's it's fine. You know, I, I understand that, you know, they may want to change it up in the next season. And rather than kind of create that, you know, disappointment or whatever, they just kind of did it here. But so I was kind of bummed about that. But I really enjoyed that fu- those final scenes. So like I said, I've watched the last 10 minutes of it many, many times. That's you so know, funny. From, from the time that uh, they get back, from the basically from the time that the discovery flies into the federation headquarters uh-huh. and all the ships are there lined up greeting them as they arrive and then from there she beams you know there's kind of an overview or she talks about disconnection and connection which is you know a great theme to talk about you know and, and if you look back now that you hear kind of the ending that whole piece you look back it is all about disconnection and connection and what more apropos theme can you possibly have in 2020 2021 than connection and disconnection so i really liked that um you know we got to see the trill president come to the federation they rejoined we got to see uh the navarre president i don't remember her name i don't tarina tarina i think is her name uh, she came back. Uh, that was cool to see. Also to see that I, I didn't pick up on it before, but the new salute, you know, the new Vulcan salute, which is like the Vulcan salute and then over your heart. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of interesting that. to see. Um, but then she gets, you know, gets to see Lieutenant Sahil when she I know. Over. I was like, oh, that hey, was haven't great. seen you in a while. Like, you know, I feel like he was, it was such a big deal like for him in the premiere and then he just ghosted us like he was just gone well he was on a remote outpost thousands of light years away yeah i was just like oh where did did this turkey go yeah so he got to come back so that was a nice kind of bookend to to that uh her you know the conversation between him and michael was great you know you found your way home lieutenant sahil you know because he always wanted to be part of starfleet uh, so that was great. And then just the conversation and, and I've heard other people on our network talk about the dad mural and, uh, you know, Oded for here is, uh, is great in this role. And it's great to have an admiral that you can actually like, that you may not evil. like him all. You may not. Yeah. That isn't or evil a, or a conspirator or, or something whatever, or just a jackass really. So I think that uh, that was the conversation that he had with her. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, you, uh, we didn't even talk about the the nebula, but um, you know, uh, it made sense that that um, Saru wouldn't come back for a while. He's mm-hmm. gonna 
helps to call that made sense to me so it did make it did make sense i wasn't happy with it because i don't need michael to be captain but it made narrative sense because yeah he needs you know someone to kind of guide him yeah and then the admiral asking her to be captain i i thought that was now and not wait for saru i thought that was I, th- I just enjoyed that all, that whole sequence. And then her coming on the bridge, Captain on the bridge. Are you ready to go? Yes, like, Captain, roll, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And then I, I loved it. I was like, all right, whatever. Let's fly. I loved it. That was great. Oh, really? I yeah. did not nope. like it. That was great. Let's fly. I hated it. And you know what? <laughs> uh, you know what? I mean, yeah, it's just perfect to see her in the captain's chair, honestly. Um I know you've been lobbying for that. And I was like, not a fan of the idea. Well, and I think, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I know that there are people in the camp, uh, in, in camp captain Saru and sure that's, that's fine. And Saru is, and will be a great captain and, or whatever he decides to do. But honestly, like having a black woman captain of a show I think is powerful and I think it speaks to a lot of the things that we need to see right now. And, um, and Star Trek is a, is, has, and is a lens for looking at our present situation through a different lens. And I think that seeing her in the captain's chair is absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, she looked great. Uh, it made me love Sinequa even more. Let's fly was awesome. And, you know, if you, you know, you, you did watch the, the ready room, but just coming up with that, you know, she tried out several different things and then she got the script and let's fly was in there. And she was like, that's perfect. Um, you know, so it, I thought it was just a really great ending. Like it reminded me of what Star Trek is and what it has been and is, and it's just hope for the future reunifying people bringing you know bringing things from disaster to redemption all of those things uh so i mean i really enjoyed it you know the other pieces that i really enjoyed were the adira gray and hugh moments Mm -hmm. on the on the planet and just the way you know uh i wouldn't say i had a crush on on hugh culber but in these last couple of episodes, I've definitely, div- I mean, I, I really like Wilson Cruz. I really like him. He's a great mm-hmm. guy, an activist, um, speaks his mind, is, is, is sexy as hell, looks great. Um, and, and I kind of liked him for all those reasons. And then seeing him hugging Adira and Gray and just this natural, like father, fatherly, piece to it was really touching and uh you know and seeing uh them back on at the end when uh stamets is back and they're kind of reunion and obviously the stink eye everyone's talking about the stink eye that stamets gave michael whatever <laughs> that was like so funny. you know uh and you know all all the views of him are like on on the bridge afterwards and yeah i know uh, it's just, like just side eye side but eye. but then you you know they show paul and then they show hugh and hugh's got this big wide smile and mm-hmm. you know so you know i just i have a huge crush on wilson cruz after these last couple of episodes oh, okay. um so yeah i thought he was great i thought you know seeing that 
seeing the the bond between him and Adira and Gray and uh, just come to, to life. And, and I loved how all of them just when they saw him didn't think anything of it other than they were happy to see him. They didn't, you know, and I, gray. I had predicted gray. Yeah, gray. Yeah. And I had predicted that maybe the hollow holographic thing would something would happen. And yes. I mean, I was, I was correct about that. Um, but I was also really sad to see him kind of dissolve away as the hollow program ended. That was really sad. But he did look uh, he did look really good as a Vulcan. I will give him that. You know, I kind of mm. wish I kind of wish he was a like a half human Vulcan uh, because that outfit on him looked really great. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I, you know, I just a lot of lot lot to love. Uh, so hopefully our listeners have come this far <laughs> to hear me say all these great things that I've loved about this episode. Uh, you know, uh, the action scenes, you know, so that, you know, the big piece that we don't agree on that we do agree on is really like the, the vastness uh, Dan Davidson loves to call it the TARDIS of the interior of. Oh, is that what he calls they, it the TARDIS. Yeah. Um, and I agree. Like, I, you know, I, I too am a fan of uh, the technical manuals and the deck layouts and all of those things that, you know, have, I've always enjoyed. I've, I've had, I have them there in storage back in Massachusetts, uh, all the technical manuals from the original series all the way through. I don't think, I don't think I have the Voyager one. I don't even know if they made think one. one was actually published. So I have them all. I've loved them. They've been a huge part of my growing up with Star Trek. So to, to kind of see, and also when you were talking about it, I was thinking back, I was like, you know, turbo lift shafts are so important. Like think about all the, you know, think about Star Trek five, think about the episode, which I can't think of the name of, and you probably will the minute I tell you what it's about with the kids and Picard in uh, the yeah, turbo lift. disaster disaster. Uh, I mean, it's, those are the things that, yeah, that, you know, fans like us live for. I, I think that the way that Star, Star Trek Discovery is right now, it's much more cinematic. And, and so these vast things and these CGI effects are, are over the top and look like movie level CGI effects. And, and that's fine. Uh, but I've really, you know, I, I did have a real problem with that. And but in this case, it was like unnecessary, you know? Yeah, like, they could have figured no, out other no way. Yeah, no I mean, there, there, the only reason that they really did that part that I could see is so that you could see Zara falling to his death. Ugh whatever which um you know giving a like character stories a, below i yeah, was like whatever yeah. like giving giving a character uh, honestly who is a piece of shit to be honest uh a, a nice beautiful cgi <laughs> death scene was unnecessary yeah um it was literally know, a 40, so, 40 story f- fall for a shit yeah, like, like 15 decks yeah exactly so whatever. uh yeah, so there's a. I definitely have some problems with that. I really do wish uh, that they would make a technical manual stick or to it. Or they just need a technical consultant. Like I could be on set. I can be like in a production room. Be like this is wrong. <laughs> like 
Yeah, you know? I mean, you know, it's an you know, I don't know. I, I don't know why they decided to go this route with it. Uh, they sort of stuck with it up until this season when they got to this 32nd century version of it. I mean, the programmable matter is cool, uh, but uh, seeing, yeah, seeing these turbo lift. I don't even know what they're called. Gateways, magnetic <laughs> gateways appear out of nowhere. Uh, seemed over the top and unnecessary. And I would, you know, I would have just as like, I would have just been as happy if Zara had fallen down a turbo lift shaft and been yeah. crushed, crushed by a, a turbo lift. And first of all, there's no crew on there. So the turbo lifts should all be like not moving. I know they're all like milling about. Yeah. So there's a lot of little things like that, that I agree bothered me, but uh, you know, in the computer core, I didn't see, I didn't see her kind of you, my impression of the gun that, that uh, so they're fighting over my the gun. gun. They're fighting over the gun. I thought the gun was long gone at that point. No, they're fighting over the gun, and they're they're like I I I watched you watched it closely. Yeah, I I didn't. And then she pushes Michael into the mat the programmable matter, and then she doesn't. And then Osara doesn't have a gun. Yeah, and I I paid more attention on on my second full viewing or third full viewing, whatever it was, uh, on that scene in particular, just to see like just observe what was happening with Michael in that programmable matter and how she was pushing her into it. And where like, cause she comes out and spits it out. And um, so I'm kind of, I watched it go in, like they made it go into her mouth as she's being pushed in. So I, I but I totally missed the gun piece. Uh, so I, what I thought and what they all have are these guns that disappear and reappear on their wrists. Uh, so I thought that that's, you know, she was in there, she activated it and shot. So that she used earlier, she overloaded that earlier to get Stamets out. Oh, right, right, right. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, I missed that. But yeah, I, I thought that that was, um, yeah, I, I, I had a little bit of a problem with Osiris' death. I mean, I wasn't sad that she was dead. Don't get me wrong there. No, I wasn't I, sad. I was just like, I was like, right, whatever. You know, she did kill Rin, who was a perfectly cool and interesting character, uh, point blank range, uh, on the, uh, you know, in a nanosecond. So um, she did torture book. She did almost. She did almost knock out Aurelio, or did she? She did knock out Aurelio. Yeah, practically. she like choke him to death. Yeah. So you know, I have no sympathy for Osiris' fate at all. Um, yeah, the shooting out of the you know out of the programmable matter. And okay. then the the other thing is like, yeah, this goes back to the whole thing where everything's tied up nice and neat. It's like the Emerald Chain was inconsequential. You know, like, oh, Osara's gone, so the Emerald Chain's also gone. I was like, this is a massive orange. Well, I don't, I don't think it's gone. I, I think it fell apart and probably, frac- you know, went into several different factions. I'm thinking of like when a when an emperor Maybe. when an emperor of Rome was killed, didn't mean that you know, uh, you know that the Roman Empire dissolved. I mean, it just went into different factions. Um, so I think that we'll see pieces of the Emerald Chain for quite some time because they're all going to be squabbling over what little power they have and have had. So I don't think it's gone. I just I think also that think it it's fractured. Given that it, it's discovery, I also think it's highly likely that we are never going to see the Emerald Chain again. 
Yeah. I mean, I hope not. I hope that they kind of keep the continuity. And, you know, I also think that there at least needs to be a conversation between Michael and Paul. Yes. Um, yeah, we talked about last time. You know, we definitely need to have a talking to. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's understandable, but she did the right thing. And and the Admiral, you know, and, and watching this final episode, the Admiral sending him off as well. He sent them the other completely the other direction. Didn't send him on a he sent them on the foresight, which is a transport ship yeah. that's going the other way with everyone else. So the Admiral agreed with her decision. So he just needs to get over himself. Well, Honestly. again, he was kind of acting emotionally. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, not, I mean, not that that's necessarily an excuse, but you know, he wasn't. No, absolutely. No, it's the, certainly understandable. State of mind. Yeah, it's certainly understandable. I mean, it's you know, he didn't agree with Hugh going down there in the first place, so he was definitely already on mm-hmm. heightened alert from all of that. Uh, but yeah, I you know, I think that it was a little harsh of him to say you know, basically, you know, F you, Michael, like we came here because of you, like spewing every nasty little piece of gossip and whatever out of his mouth to, uh, to think that that's going to change what's going to happen. Cause it's not. So, um, but I, I do hope they addressed it. I hope it doesn't take too long. Uh, but, you know, or, you know, let it fester i think that that would be i think that would be detrimental to the character himself and hopefully you know hugh will help him kind of get through that uh piece but they are in starfleet and you know i'm sorry but you know danger is part of the job Mm -hmm. so that's what it is You, you know if you want to retire and leave starfleet then leave it but um so, yeah, so I thought, you know, I think those are most of my thoughts that, you know, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely disappointed about Tilly being kind of like at the end kind of pushed aside. And, and if you watch those ending scenes closely, as I have, um, there's really no clear shot of her. And I think it's because oh, it's interesting. Um, I think it's because she was wearing red and they didn't want to do that. So. Anyway, but I, I thought it was a great bookend to the season. Uh, I thought that, uh, you know, obviously, we, I, like I said at the top of the show, I, you know, that Hope Is You part two was always going to be the, the finale after it was in episode two. So, um, yeah, I thought it was, I, I've, I will definitely go back and watch this again. I think this is an exciting new chapter, having a black woman as captain. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, obviously Saru is back we saw, uh, him and Michael both post, uh, him and Doug Jones and Sonequa both post mm-hmm. that they were back filming. So I think, uh, I think some of the other crew have also posted that they're back in Toronto. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm excited to see what they do with this next season. Uh, yeah. And I, and I hope for, you know, great things for Tilly and hopefully maybe there's a promotion somewhere in there. Maybe she's Lieutenant Tilly by the time we come back to season four. Oh, that ends, would be in, nice. ends in forever. Um, so Harry yeah. Pin syndrome. We can, no, call it. we cannot have that happen ever again. So sad. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, like um I'm I'm still 
it's funny like that we have such differing opinions like the the quote at the end the gene roddenberry quote i did like that um and it actually made me feel something but then i was like huh i i personally felt that it was kind of shoehorned in this whole thing about connection um if you look back i'm like i can kind of see it um but at the same time i'm like I feel the writers, they were like, we need to wrap up the season somehow. And like, need, we need something to like kind of tie it all together and let's make it about connection and let's insert this Gene Roddenberry quote. Um, Cause looking back, I didn't really see that. Like that didn't, that didn't come up as like a through line for me upon watching like the earlier episodes. Like it was, there really wasn't this like idea that um, like upon like, you know, like going back, I can, I'm like, okay, kind of see that. But that was that was definitely not like a resident theme. Like, you know, I don't think in any of the episodes that we talked about, like we were like, yeah, like this really seems to be people seem to be really disconnected, you know, like. So I think that the main point where you kind of see that disconnection is when Michael rejoins the crew after a year. And there is that sense of disconnection all the way through Unification 3 when she kind of. Mm-hmm agrees to become part of the crew again and and stay mm. with starfleet so there is that i think that disconnection I felt more that, that i mean like you know this i kind of felt she it was more not so necessarily disconnected but she didn't know where she what, what her role was or where she like kind of fit in fit in right yeah fitting well, in disconnection. different like it's like she didn't know like because her her role and responsibilities were just so different over the course of the year where she wasn't with the crew that she wasn't held by like Starfleet regulations and standards and stuff like that. So she had a yeah. chance to kind of just do her own thing um, and kind of going back into this very disciplined model of work. Um, and basically like uh, mini society was like very odd for her. Um, yeah. Right. Well, so I, that also brought up one other thing for me around uh, book being on the bridge, which was nice. And also, yeah, going- I was like, I guess he's a consultant. A lover? Sure. I mean, sure. Captain's captain's man. I mean, uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, but, I was like, all right. He's just like, but know. also in this episode, we see that he is also able to drive the spore drive. So yes, yes, that is useful. So in uh, case Stamets, Stamets ever gets a fit and is like, I don't want to be here anymore. Right. So we do have kind of that other piece of it. Uh, so that was good to see that piece of it kind of happen. And, mm-hmm. you know, the whole warp core ejection thing, uh, you know, people. Joke, <laughs> By the people way, j- the warp core went through like fifty stories before it came out. Like, <laughs> I don't know if you know this the sequence, but I was like, I, I, oh, yeah, yeah. only out of the ship should yeah. be like right out, you know. But, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. Again, technical manual issues, yeah. but uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, those are, you know, obviously we have very different opinions on this we episode. Do, we do. Uh, which is great no, because I, I, I totally um, there were definitely some character moments that I thought were good, you know, um, but for me, it was just so overshadowed by some of the sloppiness of the episode that it really just removed me from um, really a lot of these more intimate moments that by themselves were good you know like yes i mentioned these the interactions of the secondary cast you know how they they did get a chance to shine here 
whether or not they should have even been left alive by Osiris, it doesn't matter, but they got to do their thing, you know? Um, and yeah, I, li I like the uh, moment where um, Michael is, you know, communicating with Tilly and Tilly kind of was able to kind of share her, her story with the rest of the bridge crew. So that was nice, but it was just like everything else that involved the episode just really took it out, you know, took me out of it. Yeah. So I just had a, I just had a hard time kind of enjoying it. By the end, it was just one big eye roll for me. Um, Got it. Well, and yeah, and yeah, and yeah, again, you know, I, this and that's okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. That's your opinion of it. And that's totally yeah, fine. There's nothing... I was sad that I didn't like, I didn't like that. I didn't like it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there, there it is. There we go. So, yeah. So that really wraps up. Do we have any other thoughts about the finale of season three? None of this, uh, this of this episode. Next week, we'll talk about Discovery season three as a whole. And we can kind of talk a little bit more about disconnection or connection and other themes we saw and um, where our characters, where our favorite characters start and where they finish. Um, and maybe uh, postulate what uh, what's going to what we hope for in season four. And also we can go back and, and I'll go back and re-listen to our preview episode to see how many of the things that we asked for oh, or wanted came came to fruition mm -hmm. so i'll do that and we'll kind of maybe we'll follow that framework for our, our listeners as we kind of talk about the whole season but it'll then it then it's on to other other things and other adventures for deep space pride but uh yeah i mean there's uh, plenty for us to talk about we can talk we can have a bonus episode of bridgerton one about <laughs> um the expanse for sure oh my god the expanse is so good i i, I uh, yes uh and also no, last uh, last week's episode it was like riveting it was like I, I told you it was like literally visceral it was like you could feel the pain like i was like this is the yes. acting is it's like it's so good it's well we'll come back to the expanse when the season wraps up yeah because uh, like, we we talked like, way way long time about it on uh, our last like, episode yeah. yeah so that's spilling the track for that hope is you part two and uh, how about we spend a few minutes in Deanna's office? Sounds good. Let's go. Come in. Hi. You got a minute? Sure. So cool. what has been going on in your life? You uh, started gonna, in- I was gonna ask you, but you beat me to it. I did. Yeah. Uh, what uh you know you started a new job and um i've i've heard a lot about it but our <laughs> listeners haven't so i talked about a little bit about it like i think two was it two episodes ago or last episode um it's good it is keeping me very very busy they are you know and the thing about agency life is that it's just like super fast-paced it's like um like, I only watched a few episodes of Mad Men, but how they're kind of just like, they spend a lot of time kind of like just lounging and drinking. I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I don't have time to lounge and drink sometimes. Like, you know, like, I definitely- Or have lunch sometimes. Well, you know, once in a while, it'll just be like a protein bar or something like that, you know? Um, I, I'm just like, I don't know how you people did work. Um, but it's just, there's just, it's just very busy. 
Um, I am on quite a few interesting accounts. Um, right now I am, I, I can talk about it because I don't, I'm not revealing anything like um, proprietary, but I'm working on this account. It's called, it's a company called Beyond Limits. It's actually kind of interesting, um, but they are, Beyond Limits is an, an, I just started working on this account like two days ago. So if any of my clients are listening and I am botching the summary of describing what Beyond Limits does, I do apologize. Um, but they are an AI company um, that works with multiple industries, but um, they are, their specialty is in um, oil, uh, oil and fuel. Um, and one of the things that they do, and BP is actually like, they're like, um, they're, they're a startup, so they're like going through different series of fundings. But BP is actually one of um, the major investors, but they actually will work with, and they're, they're not just oil, they work with many different industries, but their specialty is oil. And they work with oiling companies. I mean, this is how I understand it. Um, to basically optimize through AI, to optimize where they drill and how they drill. Um, so they maximize efficiency and safety, um, you know, like prevent like oil spills, like things like that. So, you know, I think getting oil is, you know, it's a necessary evil for what we, you know, for the way that we, um, you know, live in today's world. Um, but they actually kind of like use technology and AI to kind of optimize the way it's done. Um, so it's actually kind of interesting, but I'm like, all right, that's new client. I'm also working on like my other clients. Like one is, one is like a driverless car. Like, I'm just like, there, it's like, there's just like, I'm just like going from like all these different clients, um, from meeting to meeting and I'm like just like switching gears a lot. So it's like, it's interesting. It's very different from what I did before. Um, mostly B2B. As I think I mentioned that before, and it's like, uh, you know, new things for me to learn. It's great. Um, the thing I will, I will say is that my company is very, very much about Zoom. Um, and we are a very Zoom heavy culture. So I've never, like on my last job, I think we have like probably one Zoom a week. Like, that's it. Um, so I never would feel that I need to like, you know, put on like a button down and a decent shirt. I can just wear like a t-shirt or something like that. Um, so now I need to actually, oh, uh, you know, we were just talking before I hate ironing. So now I need to like, I'm like, oh no, I need to like iron my shirts again. I, I, need, I can't look disheveled, you know, um, need How's the to- adjustment been for sleep. I know you are a night owl and um, you've had to back okay. out your- Bedtime a little bit. Yeah, you know, I get to bed around like one thirty or so. <laughs> Wake you up around like seven thirty. You know, so trying to get six hours, just you know, six hours, six hours. You know, <laughs> uh, so you know, it's coming along. You know, um, I'm, I'm I'm starting to get used to it. Yeah, like I think it'll be better. Like um, like spring and summer when I wake up at like. 7 30 and the sun is out like right now it's still a little bit dark you know um but i think uh once that rolls around it'll it'll feel better you know um because right now i'm working probably like uh i would say probably like 8 15 8 30 to like 7 or so um so the days are a little bit long but that's which is which i'm I'm okay with because it's just like you know it's like 
agency life. So it's not that, uh, it's not, not that unexpected, but I think having the sun out more, it's more like daylight outside would make it feel better because right now it's like, I wake up, it's kind of dark outside still. And then I'm done working. Oh, it's so dark, you know? So, um, so yeah, there, there's that, but yeah, starting to get used to it slowly, but surely getting there. Yeah. Um, so there's work, there's my fish tank. It was having a fish tank was having a, some issues. I got this one fish. Um, I, it's a new fish actually, but it's like really shy. I spent $80 on this fish. Oh it's my gosh. $80 on this like one inch fish. It's, um, it's called a Yasha Gobi for our listeners who are into saltwater fish husbandry and know what I'm talking about. Um, $80 is actually not bad um, for this fish. Um, but it is a very, it's a beautiful fish, but it is super, super shy. It's hiding, doesn't want to come out. I'm feeding it. It'll come out for a little bit of food. Like I need to like squirt the food like directly in its path and then I'll eat it. But it's just not coming out of this, it's a little hidey hole. And I'm like, oh man, it's like, is it ever gonna come out? Is it ever gonna come out? So, you know, this is like one area that I definitely splurge, you know, um, we'll see how long it survives and I don't know, but yeah, you know, $80 for one tiny one inch fish, you know, wow. that's even, that's more expensive than most sushi meals. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I know you're not into sushi, but you know, that is, a, that is a, that is a point of comparison. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, I'm still like, we saw each other this past weekend. You know, that we was nice. Yeah. Um, we went, uh, we went out to, we took a drive out of the city and yeah, to Long Island for, uh, for dinner to, uh, honor Dennis's mom who passed away in December. Yeah, that was nice. For her birthday. So we went out to, uh, Maggiano's in, what is it? Garden City? Mm-hmm. And uh, we all had, you can uh, eat Italian. I mean, yeah. it was pretty good. It was, yeah. I mean, was. I know we had a few issues, um, but honestly, the service was pretty good. And yeah. they kept, they literally kept on pushing food at us. Like, yeah, it, they did. I, I was like, because most all you can eat places, they're kind of stingy with the food, or you know, you get a lot of rice or something. This place, she was like, "What do you want? What do you want? What do you want?" take food home take food home i'm like oh yeah. my god <laughs> yeah right yeah she was uh she was pushing food like as she was she was like just giving us all the plastic containers and just telling us yeah. to pack stuff i was like this is actually kind of amazing yeah um, um yeah. the leftovers were still good the next day i think we yeah. all we all enjoyed them uh for lunch or dinner uh the next day so yeah it was good to it was nice to get out of the city and sit down in a restaurant i I guess this Friday we will find out what the future holds for New York City and restaurants. Oh, wait, why? Uh, Governor Cuomo is going to announce what the plan is for New oh. York City. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. Uh, we'll see see what that entails. Um, so, yeah, we won't have to, you know, we won't have to go. We haven't really gone outside and eaten, like, sat out in these makeshift, some of them very nice. But they're still makeshift. They're still, they're still cold. cold. Yeah, they're like, still they, cold. There'll be like small enclosed bases with heaters. But I actually went to, yeah, eat with a friend. And it was a very nice setup. 
but it and it had a heater it was still cold though i was just yeah. like it was it was just not comfortable after yeah. a while i was like i don't want to be here anymore <laughs> yeah you're eating outside in the cold and it's like 20 30 degrees and it's uh yeah yeah so, yeah after a while i was just like i i don't need this in my life yeah so hopefully something happens along the uh, along the lines of allowing some indoor dining in new york city but sure it will be very limited capacity yeah, uh, i just feel sad for the restaurants i mean like house kitchen like it's there every other storefront's like closed yeah know? yeah it's um, uh it's very very sad yeah it is so um so that's i think most of what's going on in my life so basically work fish tank friends sometimes and bling empire which i'm not going to talk about because this is not off topic but you know there we i'm watching bling empire yeah I'm Asian, so it's relevant. <laughs> yeah. So what about you, Mike? What's going on in your life? So I'm uh, in the process of setting up a more permanent home office here at home uh, because I will be remote until 2022. Crazy. Uh, which, uh, you know, our our church is not going to go back in person probably until the fall anyway or the rest of the staff. So... Uh, but my boss and I do not have a, a location for an office yet because we're doing some reconfiguration of spaces and construction. And so uh, we do not have a spot yet. So I'm going to be home uh, through the rest of this year. So I'm going to make a little bit more permanent mm-hmm. uh, setup for myself. Did so- you buy your standing desk yet? I didn't. Uh, I was looking again last night at some different options, and uh, I I thought I had the measurement right that I wanted, and uh, now the desks that I'm looking at are bigger than what I feel. Like, I don't want it to be too overwhelming in this space, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm still looking. And, uh, you know, and I also came across a comparison of some different other ones, so... Uh, I'm trying to balance value and price and mm. simplicity of setup and all of those things. So fascinating. Um, but yeah, so I'm doing that and doing some general organization, going through stuff uh, in the the in the home in order to make this new office space possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So a lot of organization, reorganization. And also just going through clothes that, you know, and stuff that I don't need and use. So why keep it? Yeah. So, yeah. So some, some slimming down and also some future uh, office space. So, yeah. Uh, Other than that, I've been running, running or walking really fast on the treadmill (laughs) almost every day this week Uh Uh, before nine o'clock so that's been my goal and uh so that's good and yeah how i'm not really how are things with dennis good uh yeah he's uh he's been working and uh actually he's got the next two days off so oh i yeah. didn't do anything <clears throat> no i mean i'm working so you know it's sort of like uh you know it's different. It's it's different when he's home and I have to work from home. It's a little more distracting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's um, yeah, I understand. You know, I mean, we have a, a good sized place, but not a. It's not a. It's not the TARDIS. Um, no, it's it's not the turbo lift shaft. It is not the turbo lift <laughs> shaft. 
uh i would love a space like that uh but no it, that is not what's happening here uh which is kind of funny because we were talking on a staff call today uh just about how because uh, some of some of our staff have uh, or one of our staff has a family house upstate that's re is really big and they live you know they live here in, in Queens and uh, obviously not you know like a three-bedroom apartment with you know uh -huh. but up there they have a lot more space and so there's a discussion amongst a couple of people who've like lived or stayed in bigger spaces that there's a whole lot more yelling going on because you you have so much space that people oh you know you, they could get lost or whatever what a hard problem so, to have yeah so i thought that was kind of funny thinking about uh this apartment and how it's it's actually kind of hard when we're both home and i'm working and he's off that uh we have a kind of overlapping space and yeah. it's you know you hear the tv on one end and uh in the office so it's you know it's uh it's uh, distracting. So uh, when I do have the new office set up, I will most likely be using my noise canceling headphones a lot more as I work. Yeah. Uh, just to kind of, you know, on, on Dennis's days off, to be fair, he works really hard. He's a doctor. So he needs to kind he of check. He's a hard worker. He needs to check out and check out of life and watch some television. And so that's understandable so uh yeah so does that and and that's uh, a bit distracting in my normally quiet space while he's working and i'm working from home so but i i know couples and people who live in much smaller places than we do who have it's to manage tough. this yeah, i don't know yeah. i don't know how people do it like i'm just like so single yeah. life my one bedroom my one bedroom with my fish you know yeah so um, I don't know how we will do it, honestly. So yeah, so um, yeah, so kind of doing a little bit of, of that, trying to get things uh, organized. And mm -hmm. I I bought a plastic bag holder. I just need to find a place to put it now. So it stores plastic bags. Yeah. That's so, yeah. So yeah, just doing some organizational things in the apartment too. So yeah. silly things like that. So but that's it for me. Yeah um well no that's that's a good life update so keeping healthy keeping busy yeah overall good you know one thing that i will say about my schedule is that i don't have time to think about for better words i don't have time to think about like dating <laughs> i don't know if that's good or bad um but yeah i mean uh i mean i still am swiping a little bit but there are so many fake profiles like it's like really bad like i feel it's gotten worse um and i'll just match with these like fake people I'm like all right obviously sometimes it's so obvious sometimes i'm like i think this is fake but now like even yesterday there was like this guy I matched with on coffee's bagel and uh he reached out i didn't respond um because i was kind of like I, I well i was kind of busy actually so i didn't even look and then by the time I opened it, Coffee and Spagel already flagged him and was like, we, we've basically locked this conversation. We're waiting for him, like the other person, to uh, verify their identity and we'll unlock it once they do that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, wow. 
so he's Pretty done hardcore. something to yeah done something to trigger something i don't know i was like that's really or or they have or it's ai and now they're getting smarter about trying to like filter out these randos you know yeah which um, is good i mean you know, yeah, I, I, but yeah, being single, I can't imagine being single and trying to navigate the dating space right now. I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not tired. I am not tired. Um, <laughs> well, I don't, uh, it's like, well, maybe, maybe, maybe there's a, you know, when we go out to Las Vegas for the convention, will that happen? I, I think you know here's hoping august august yeah and what is it called again i have no idea I, not, i'm too confused it's nothing nothing star trek related even though it is a star trek convention basically yeah well i mean there yeah i don't i don't know the whole thing it can't be associated or something or other i don't know well it's no longer associated with cbs is what the the oh so they can't they, so they can't use star trek in the name of it right is not the thing no, I think they still can use it as a can name. They? I think sure? they can still. I don't know. Sure? I, I don't know. I have no idea. These things are all new to CBS me, Viacom, just like you. Par- I feel Paramount CBS Viacom has or Paramount been- Plus now. Paramount yeah. Plus now, or soon to be in another month or so. Uh, it's just getting very like, like these IPs. They're very. They're just like holding onto them for like dear life. You know, they they don't want anyone touching their IPs. Um, so I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if they couldn't they couldn't officially license the Star Trek name. Maybe. They had to like come up with some yeah. random like something or other. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I'm sure we'll get more information of, as it gets closer and as the world kind of figures out what's going on. So Vegas, I will say, have you been to Vegas? I've been once to Vegas. Yeah. No, uh, it's kind of like depressing. It's like a depressing city. Yeah. At least when I went, because I think we spent way too, too much time in the casinos and the casinos can get a little depressing. Yeah, I didn't spend a lot of time in the casinos when I was out there. I was only out there for a couple of days. So I was out for three days and it was enough. So. So, well, let's uh, let's wrap it up here. Why don't you tell people how they can get a get in touch with us? Yeah, so we would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear you chime in on your thoughts about the Star Trek Discovery finale. Um, do you agree with Mike? Do you agree with me? Do you agree with both of us? Neither of us? Who knows? I, we want to hear about it. Um, you can email us at deepspacebride at gmail.com or you can reach us on social media on Twitter and Instagram and our handles there are just deep space pride so yeah you know we we want to hear from you um and maybe we'll even acknowledge you on the show if you say something so yeah that'd be great cool all right well thanks everybody we'll have a good week and we'll see you here next week bye-bye forever for now Deep 
Space Pride is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.